All right. So as as every week, right, we, we dedicate the share to our learning to all those uh, hostages who are in harm's way. We we daven that they should be brought home to their families safely and quickly. To all the soldiers who are fighting on our behalf in Gaza and other places in the country, and to all Jews around the world to really be protected from you know all all the craziness that's happening now. And everyone should be safe and sound, and our soldiers and the hostages should be should return. Home quickly. Sorry, Michael. Um, uh, quickly and shalom beguf nefesh, which is also very very important. And we have nisim, and you know now we it's it's our Rosh Chodesh Kislev. It's the month of um, it's the month of Yeshua. It's the month of Rabim of Rabim Biyad Maatim and all those stuff, and and Tmei and Biyad Tahirim. And I really hope that. The school says, Mom, carries us forward, and we uh, are zocha to uh, similar miracles. Okay. Now, so we ended up talking about all the different halachas, about when, what you are or you're not allowed to do three days before a non-Jewish holiday. We got into a discussion last week a little bit about are there similarities to Jewish holidays or not with regards to the laws of Simcha. But now the Gemara is going to go off on a series of unrelated tangents. Because the Gemara mentioned the halacha from Rabbi Shua ben Karcha, and the halacha from Rabbi Shua ben Karcha was that one is allowed to do, is allowed to collect a milva alpeh, a loan that was done orally, meaning that there were uh, that there may have been witnesses or not, but there was no contract, therefore it's very hard to collect. So a Jew is allowed to collect so, such a loan from a non-Jew because. If a non-Jew is willing to give it to him now, he may he has to take it now because he may not get it later. So the Gemara brings a story, the second to bottom line, that um, Yosef Rav Yosef Achari the the Rebaba of Yosef Rebaba Kabe the Rav Huna. So yeah, does that have a question? No, okay. So so it says so so Rebaba was sitting in front of Rav Huna and sorry Rebaba was sitting in front of Rav Huna. He said the halacha is like Rabbi Shul ben Karcha, that by a case of a milva alpeh, by a case of a loan without a contract, one is allowed to collect even before, even right before a non-Jewish holiday from a non-Jew. And he adds that in, in addition, the halacha was also like, like Rabbi Yehuda. So who is this Rabbi Yehuda? So the Gemara says that a very interesting case, a very common case, um, uh, you know, um, okay, I'm not sure what's common, but definitely a very interesting case. Hanoisin Sema, the bottom line of the Yomad, Hanoisin Sema Litzava, Litzvaya, Adain, Litzava, Shachar. So a man bought, had, had white wool, had kind of natural colored wool, and he gave it to a, to a person who dyed wool to dye it red, and the person dyed it black. Or alternatively, he gave it to him, Shachar, Litzava, Adain. He gave it to him, to die to to die in black and the person died in red. Um Samra. So now here we're getting into a very interesting question. He didn't damage the wool. He it it has value. It was dyed a different color, but he violated, he was mother of that balabias. He didn't do what the owner wanted him to do. Rabbi Mayor says Nysen Lloyd the mate samurai. He gives him the amount of money that he paid for the wool. Meaning, as Rashi explains, 
he basically pays him for the damage he caused him because he took a piece of wool and he ruined it. In Yerta, the Sphere of Rabbi Meir, here's a very important halacha. Yes, what if what if the dying of the wool increased the value of the wool? That's that's a very good question. Let's wait a second. Rabbi Yehuda is going to address it. According to Rabbi Meir, it appears that the person who died is allowed to keep the wool, and he only has to pay the amount of money he damaged, which Rabbi Yehuda will take, you know, issue with. The sphere of Rabbi Meir because Rabbi Meir follows the principle that whoever goes against the will of the owner is called a goslin. And he acquires it with Shinoi, which we're going to get into in a second. And this addresses what Zev just asked. Meaning, even if it's worth more now because of this die, now he doesn't address if it's worth more than the red. He just means it's worth more now black than, than it was natural colored. He is allowed to keep the wool. Why? So Rashi explains that the reason is, is because there's a there's a shita of Rameir, it's brought down in Babakama, it's brought down in uh Metziah and Dafkuf as well, and other places. The Rameir holds the opinion of Kalamashana al Das Balabayas Nikragazal. If the owner of somebody gives you something for a specific purpose, and you do something counter to their will, you're called a Gazal. Now, the question is over here, why is he a goblin and not a mazik? Right? Now, it may sound like kind of trivial, but the, the reason why it makes a very big difference is because the laws of Shinoi, that when someone after, if someone steals an item and then changes its form, there's a halacha that the person now owns the item itself and is only required to repay to the owner the value of the item. The Achayim, the Tzai, Subchayim, and the others, they explain that how does Shinui work? The way Shinui works is a very interesting thing. There's a Gemara in Babamitsiya in, in, in the fifth park. The Gemara over there says as follows. The Gemara is trying to understand why you need all sorts of prohibitions for Ainah, for Rivis, for Gezel, for Gneva, for, for all these different things. If the root if kind of if the root felony of the root kind of travesty which you've done that underlies all those prohibitions is that you've harmed somebody else financially. So the Gemara says you should only have one iser, harm somebody else financially, and then the various cases like Neva, Rivis, all those different things, they'll have different halachos when it comes to remuneration and other things, but the iser itself should be the same. So the Gemara alone over there discusses Differences between Ribis, Saina, and Gazal, and whatever. And the Gemara comes out that basically you could learn Gazal from Ona and Ribis together. But then the Gemara says, What do you need? So then the Gemara explains why you need the Pasuk of Gazal for a certain edge case over there. And then the Gemara asks, But why does it say Lo Signovu? Why there's a Pasuk that says you can't steal? Why does it say that? The Gemara answers to prohibit Gainiv Amenas Lehaktin to stealing. In order to bother somebody, and So there are two cases that you would not know are prohibited 
without an additional verse, additional pasuk of Gezel, of sorry, of racing navel. One is Gainav Amenasahaktim, Gainav in order to give somebody else tsar. And the second case is stealing with the intention to pay him back double. You know, you want to give charity to somebody in an honorable way, so you steal from him, and this way you're going to be chayv in kefal, to be chayv to pay double, and you can give charity to the person in an honorable way. The Shita Mikubetas in Baba Mitzia asks a question, he says, it's very difficult to understand. If you stole with the intention to give it back, which is what you're doing by going to by going of and you're stealing with the intention to give it back. That's not gneva at all. That shouldn't be called gneva. Obviously, you have to give back the item because you have his item. But gneva is not when you're stealing with the intention to give it back. So he interprets the case in a very difficult way that you're stealing in order to hurt him, not in order to benefit yourself. The traditional gneva is where you steal for profit, and gneva amenaslahatin is where you steal to cause somebody else pain. And there's a Havamin and a Gemara that was not included in the Isser. Most Rishayim and many Achayim Bichtais, others, they don't learn like that. The Rambam is very much explicit, not like that, and many others as well. And they say that no, Gainav Amanasahakta means that you stole with the intention of giving it back. But the Ktsais explains, and while there are, there are people who disagree with one point of the Ktsais, the Ktsais says in general, if you steal with the intention to give it back, if you don't have kavana sagzela, you're not intending to steal. It doesn't. It's 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 not called gzela. In fact, the ktsayis wants to say if you steal with the intention to repay, normally when a god of steals, he becomes obligated in all. He becomes a shomer aveda. He becomes a shomer, a watchman on the item itself. And if it gets lost, even through uncontrollable circumstances, the god of is chayes. So the Briskarov, the Tzais, I apologize, says that no, in the case where you steal with the intention to repay, definitely if you just took it with the intention to return it, in such a case, you are not a Gazel. You have to give it back, but you're not a Gazel. So the question is, long story short, that even if we derive from the Isser of Gainabam and Asahakti and stealing to bother somebody, that the prohibition of Gzela applies, the Kinyane Gzela, the stealing, is only going to be going to give you Kinyane, only going to give you the so-called ownership of Gzela that enables it to become yours after Shinoi, that you will only get if you took it with the intention to acquire it. Why is this? Reb Chaim explains, the reason for this is, is because really, Technically, if I took somebody else's item to keep, Xayla says that I should be allowed to own the physical item and only have to pay him back the money. Ganev is a form of mazik. So just like with mazik, I have a way of destroying the physical thing and my liability only extends to the value. From the laws of Xayla, Kinyan Xayla say you should be able to acquire the physical item itself. What prevents you from doing this? What prevents you from doing this is the Gemara, is the Torah saying, There's a chi of Ashava. There's an obligation to return the stolen item. So the, it's the obligation to return the stolen item, I'm sorry, that prevents you from allowing, that prevents the, the item itself from becoming yours. However, 
in the event that you made a shinoi and you changed it, it's no longer possible to return to return. I'm sorry, the item which you stole, the gzela asher gazal. So therefore, now the original Kenyan, the original act of acquisition which you've done, will make this item yours. In fact, the Machne Ephraim discusses what if you stole by accident when you when you were taking it out of its position. Uh, Possession, you kind of by mistake knocked it with your elbow into your possession, and you only realized you had it and decided to keep it when you got home. Is that called the Maisek Zela? Yes, sir. Oh, does somebody have a question? No? Okay. So, so the Gemara, so, 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 yeah. So the question is, so, so Taisvis over here makes the question even stronger. Taisvis asks the Kasha. Top Taisvis. Tema. Kasha the Remeir or the Remeir. We have a contradiction to Remeir. Over here, Rabbi Meir says, you should give him the wool. Someone steals a pregnant cow. She has a child. A kind of foal sheep. And you shear it. So the mayor holds that if you pregnant cow has a baby, even though the form of the cow changes by this, you don't own the cow. Instead, you have to. Yes, yeah, sir. No, nothing, nothing. Sorry. Sorry. Right. So, and so, so you don't have to return the cow. You have to return the item itself. So, so sorry. You, you, you have to, you have to just pay for the item itself. You have to pay for the cow, and Shinoi doesn't work. So there seems to be a contradiction. Over here, Rabbi Meir seems to believe in Shinoi. Over there, Rabbi Meir seems to say, by the case of the cow, that even though she changed in form, you still have to pay back um, the cow. You, you return the cow and and uh, and the baby, implying Shinoi doesn't work. Isis answers. The Shani Hassel over there is different. The Knossel, the Kanas, the Tayyar, that Chazal, Gave you a fine. They kind of they said that even though technically speaking it is shinoi, we're going to make you give it back so that so that you shouldn't profit. And here Taisa says a very difficult thing. You can't give the person a knas a fine. The guy was not intending to go against the will of the owner. He wanted what was good for the owner. Because And he really believed that the owner wanted him to do it. So Tysus is saying that the person's intention over here were entirely honorable. So there was no intention for Xela. If there's no intention for Xela, there should be no Kinyane Xela. And if there are no Kenyan Exela, there should be no Shinai Kai. So why does a mayor hold he owns it? So I believe the answer lies in a statement from Chaim Brisker. Chaim brings from the Rambam a very interesting thing. That if the person takes an item with the intention to damage it, and even though he may not think he's damaging it, but the action which he's intending to do has the status of damage, that is called kavana for a Maisek That e kavana to take something for Mazik, Rav Chaim derives from the Rambam, is called kavana for theft. 
even though you didn't intend to steal it to keep it, you intended to damage it. It's called kavana for theft, even if you didn't know that the action itself was damaging. That's what Chaim says. The chiddush of kol amavir adafal abayas nekregavel in our case is telling us that painting something which the owner wanted red black or black red is considered a maizamavir. Taking an item to dye it the wrong color is an act of damage, even though you may have not made the value worth less. The Chiddush of Kalamavri is that that itself is called a damaging act because it goes against Asfalabayas, even though normally we don't think that way in Mazak. The Gemara in Babakama in the second talk and Abchatama Bez, the Gemara over there talks about the case where somebody throws a vase, a really expensive vase, off a roof. And before it lands, the person on the bottom smashes it with a with a baseball bat. And the Gemara over there has a conversation, who is liable? And over there, the Rishayim get into the question where damage is considered to only be damage if, if you destroyed something that had value. But maybe if the item is in mid-air and it's about to crash, we don't see it as an item that has value. Value defines damage. Hefzit. Hefzit is not there has it. The Chiddush that a mayor is saying is that even in the situation where you're technically giving him value, it's called the Maisamazek. And since it's called the Maisamazek, taking it for the intention of doing the Maisamazek is called Kavana for theft, and therefore Shina is kind. That's Shalom Yermeh. Rabbi Yehuda disagrees. Rabbi Yehuda says you are giving a scam artist, you're giving somebody a free world that he died and he's gaining. Rebbeir says no. Rebbeir says no. If the gain is greater than the expenditure, you pay the person who died the item their costs, and then you take the the wall. But if the person who died the wall ended up paying more money than what you gain from having a black piece of wool over a natural color piece of wool. Nice and less ashlach. He takes, do, you give him whatever they gain from the black wool, and that's it. So if Yehuda says that there's no way that the person who died the item could win. If the black thing that he died that was supposed to be red is worth more, then he only gets paid cost and loses the profit. And if it's worth less, he has to swallow the loss. That's the Chesha of, of Rabbi Yehuda. Ahadrinu Rabbi Yosef Rahapin. Rabbi Yosef was disappointed by this psaq. Not by the psaq, by, by why Rabbi Abba felt the need to tell him this Allah. So, why? Bishlam, Allah, Rabbi Yeshua, Ben Karcha. So, so, I'm sorry, was it Rabbi Abba? I think it was Rabbi Huna, maybe. Sorry, the bottom. It was... Um, Ravuna, I'm sorry. Ravuna, right? So, so that the Ravuna needed to say that Allah has like Yeshua ben Karcha by Melba there was something interesting in that statement. Why was it interesting? So, I would have thought, the rabbi said, you can't do three days before. Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha is a kind of individual who's being cholic. And normally we say that Yachid Varayim Halacha Karavim. The Chiddush over here is that no Halacha is going to be like uh, like Rabbi Yeshu. That's Allah. Even though Yachid Varayim Halacha Karavim, that's why it was interesting. 
Why do I need a Huda to tell me that Halacha is like a Huda? It's obvious. Shita, why? The Machlech is Sa'acha Kachstam. So whenever you have a debate in one part of a Masechta, and later there is a Mishnah that says the Halacha without mentioning any names, like one of the sides, right? You follow the view that was then said in the Stam Mishnah later. Machlekes of Baba Kama, there's a Machlekes between Rabbi Yehuda and Meir in Baba Kama, but in Baba Metziah, the Stam Be Baba Metziah, because it says, the Kola Meshana Yadai Alatachtaina, the Kola Chayzerba Yadai Alatachtaina. So there's an explicit halacha that anybody who changes from Das Palabrakes, Yadai Alatachtaina, they always get the losing side of the deal, like Rabbi Yehuda. The Kola Chayzerba, this is talking about by a, by a worker who who uh, changes his mind in the middle of the day, So it seems that we have a machlekes in Baba Kama and a star Mishnah in Baba Metziah, and machlekes in says that the halacha is like the star. So why did Rav Huna feel the need to have to tell us this halacha? This halacha is obvious. The Gemara answer is a very interesting thing. Rav Huna Mishum De'ain Seder Lemishnah. De'ikah Lemeimar Stam Tanavereisha V'achakach Machlekes. Rav Huna says there is no Seder to the Mishnah. The fact that we have Baba Kama first and Baba Metziah second and Baba Basra third and the whole, whole order, it's, we'll see, it's not really arbitrary, but with regards to Machlekes V'achakach Stam, it seems arbitrary. Because, like, what's the logic behind The logic is, if you have two people arguing about something, and then later a person who's, you know, says, well, and then later we saw that the halacha was said with no argument, like one of the opinions, the implication is that over the course of time, people kind of concluded like the second opinion, or like one of the opinions. But if there's no Seder to the Mishnah, meaning could be that Rebbe, when he was putting together Baba Metziah, he put it together first, so there he brought a Stam, and then later some students told him about Baba Machlekes between Yehuda and Rameya when he was putting together Baba Kama, and he put it in Baba Kama. So really, so really it came second. So the Gemara asks, okay, so if so, you've destroyed all Machlekes Vach and Kachstam. So the Gemara says, according to Ravuna, is only when you're talking about different Mesechtas. But in one Mesechta, we do say Sorry, the opposite, I apologize. In one Mesechta, there is Seder, and he put it together very deliberately. So if you have a machlekes v'achakachstam in one mesechta, then we say in such a case that the stam does inform what the psaq was. But in two mesechtas now, Rabbi Yasef says this is only true in Shas. Everywhere else. Shabbos and Erevin, or whatever. But Baba Kama, Baba Metziah, and Baba Basa, there's also pretending about Baba Kama, Baba Kama, Baba Metziah, and Baba Basa, they were split in three arbitrarily. They're kulachad and They're all really one mesechta. 
It was just too big, so they split up. But it's all one Masechta, really. So therefore, you can say, the same way you can say it in one Masechta, like Shabbos, you can say it in one Masechta called Nizikin, which is Babakala, Babamitsiya, and Babalas. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yud. However, to this point, about whether or not we, 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 we always say that Machlok is Rach, that ain't say to the Mishnah, I want to just show you an interesting Taisus in the beginning of Babamitsiya. In the beginning of Babamitsiya, Taisus over here says, he's going about, about uh, you know, all the different cases over here in Shtayim Reis and Batalis, and he brings this halacha and he says, that's our um, that's Ravuna who says that Kulin Nizik is That's only with regards to this principle of Rabbi did not teach his students by order of the Mishnah. It's a very dangerous slide. Christ says that Rabbi used to teach them what the students wanted to learn. But many people can jump on this and say that it's students who should dictate the curriculum and not the teacher. But it's a very dangerous slide. When Rabbi was the Mishnah, when he was the editor and organized the Mishnah, of course, he put them together the way they were supposed to be. So, has to do with the Seder in which Rabbi taught Torah. If Rabbi taught Torah and he first said it, he first taught his students in April or Machlaikas, and then in June he repeated the same thing without a Machlaikas, that means that Rabbi Paskin, like one opinion. But if Rebbe, the editor of the Mishnah, organized the books in a certain way, then he organized them in their way for a reason. But it doesn't have to do with psak, meaning he may, he may have over there been thinking, to kind of say this almost uh, uh, heretically, not like a Pisic, but like an editor. As opposed to when he was teaching Torah, he was thinking like a Pisic. And over there, there was no Seder because because Rabbi was teaching whatever the students wanted to learn. They decided what they were going to learn in Yeshiva Dadzman, and that was it. Stop. Interesting thesis. Let's move on to the Gemara. So the Gemara says as follows. Viba uh, is saying, when the Gemara gives another answer, why it's a Chiddush, Mishon de Ketani Regavi Hochas Sikta, it taught us with regards to to it later in, in this second Mishnah, it's bringing it not as like a halacha, but as if everybody knows, as if it's a halacha subsekta. The way Taisis explains halacha subsekta, the Ketani kala Mishnah lashen halacha psuka. It's as if it was already decided over there. So, so it's the tone of the Mishnah, not the placement of the Mishnah, that argues for the fact that the halacha was uh, decided already according to one opinion. Rashi says, since it says in Gabe, Gabe Hochasub Sekta, which is the halacha of that a worker is allowed to be Khajim, and uh Taisvis asks on Rashi that that's not true, because in the Gemara there's a debate if that's if a worker could be Khaizer and what and the other or not. But Taisvis asks is the tone of the mission. 
Now, well, let's get into the next small halach of the Gemara. And we're going to take a little detour now. We just spent time in Baba Metziah. Then we spent time talking about, you know, meta, meta topics. How was the Mishnah put together? And now the third stop on our journey is going to be Hukkah Shabbos. Unrelated. <laughs> Unrelated. But also a statement of Rabbi Shua ben Kak. A person should not tell his friend, I would like for you to stay with me until the evening. You, you, you should, you, you all want to say, would you mind hanging out here until, until after Shabbos? That's mutter. What's going on over here? Rashi says, Hanira, after Nira, Russian, Harvard, Nova, Yamele, Bishabbos, Hanira, and Tamid, Emil, and Ross is Mahatila. Meaning, what he's really intending is that the person should stay there after Shabbos, and after Shabbos, help him do some work he needs to do. So, what the Sugi over here is talking about, and I'm going to go just give you Amir al-Akam and Amir al-Yisrael and all these things, I'll give it to you all on one foot. There are two halachas in Shabbos that have to do with speech. The first halacha is Vidabar Dava. It's prohibited to talk about things on Shabbos that are also to do on Shabbos. So, there could be, there's a halacha of Debrechah, but also you're not allowed to talk about Malachi Shabbos. And therefore, when you ask a non-Jew to do something for you on Shabbos that's prohibited, you violate the Dabr Dabr. There's a problem of Dabr Dabr on Shabbos that you're not allowed to talk, or if you talk, to, or you know, the whole Miss Shabbos Gerek joke, right, all comes from Dabr Dabr. That you're not allowed to say explicitly, hey, Benny, can I buy that from you? Can I buy your, your cool stickers that you have on your laptop uh, for, for, you know, on Shabbos, right? That's a lot of Dabidah. There's another, so then would say it's forbidden to ask a non-Jew, for example, to do a malacha for you on Shabbos. There's another Isser by a non-Jew that you can't even ask him before Shabbos to do something for you on Shabbos if it's going to benefit you. And that is because of a prohibition of shlichos. And that you're making him your proxy, and as your proxy is being mechal Shabbos, and there's a problem. So, the Machlechus between Abishua ben Karcha and Rabba Babachana, sorry, between Abishua ben Karcha and the Tanakam, I'm sorry, is whether or not when you say, stay with me until tonight, where it's clear that your intention is for him to stay and do work, if that's called Amira Sha'asura Bishabbos, if that's called a violation of Dabrida. And the Gemara over there on Daf Kufnunam and Aleph on Shabbos, when the Gemara tries to explain the reason of Yeshua ben Karcha, the Gemara says, because when you don't say it explicitly, it falls into the category of hervor, of thought. The Ritva over here says that he, he doesn't, says the Machlokis between the Tanakama and, and the Yeshua ben Karcha, so he has one approach saying maybe the Machlokis is, is hervor a problem for Dabr Dabr. The other approach is, is this called hervor? If it's so clear that the person understands what you're saying and he's deriving it from what you're saying, do we really consider that the that, that the Malachi Shabbos is the thought? Practically speaking, we pass him like a Yeshua ben Karcha. So if you're talking to somebody, 
you're allowed to say, would you be able to come over after Shabbos? But you can't say, could you drive over after Shabbos? Because over there, you mention a Malacha Asura and a one you don't. In addition, there is a, there's a discussion about Remiza hinting to a non-Jew on Shabbos. So many of you have heard all the famous jokes from Amir Lakam, where you're hinting and all these different things. It's a very misunderstood halacha. Technically, hinting is Asr Gamer. It's Asr Gamer to hint to a non-Jew on Shabbos to do a malacha for you. There are more paskins and in Shinzayin at the end. It's Psuk, um, the Magin Avram, the Mishnah Brewer. Everybody asks. Why do they ask it? Because it doesn't make a difference if with hinting, you only have hearer. As we mentioned earlier, you have the other problem of shlichos. And even in the case where you don't have shlichos, you have the problem of benefiting for you. For benefit. That so you benefit. Magnavram says, if you ben, someone turns on the light and you benefit from the light, it's awesome. So when, when you have hinting, when is hinting mutter? Hinting is only mutter when the problem of shlichos so or the problem of hana'ah, of getting benefit from Chil Shabbos, doesn't apply. So, for example, there is no problem when Nanju opens up the fridge for you and the light turns on, right? And he tapes down the light. You didn't, so according to most opinions, if the fridge was open when he did it, he didn't give you hanah from his Malacha Shabbos. He just prevented you from loss that you would not have been able to open the fridge, but now you can. But you can't ask him to do a Malacha Shabbos because of Dabar Dabar, so there are helps. So basically, in every unreal situation, ask a rabbi. But if you are stuck in a situation where you can't, which is most situations when they come up, right, there are two main principles. You have to think about, is the person doing an action which gives me benefit? And benefit means I was in a room where it was dark and I wasn't able to read. And he, sh- and he turned on the light that now I can read. So I gained something from this. Then hinting is not going to help you. There was cold in the room and he lit a fire for me. And now I'm gaining from the warmth of the fire. Then that is considered to be a problem, whether or not you hint it, without the questions of sakana and chayli and everything else, just for pleasantness, right? However, if there was already light in the room and you were able to read, this was unpleasant. Or we're talking about shutting a light in the room where you want to go to sleep. You can sleep with the light. You can use the room. You can sleep with the light on. It's not as pleasant. It's not as fun. So the there, there's a principle that's it's not considered that he's giving you a new use or something concrete. So over there, you could you don't have the problem of shlichas or nana, but you could have the problem of dava dava. So for that, you need remis. Fine. Short intro into 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 Mulechashas. Okay. Um, we're gonna stop here. And well, next week we'll get into a very interesting sugya about what happens if you ask the wrong rabbi and he asks her something for you, and then you want to go find somebody who can go make it, who can go make it mutter for you. We'll get into that sugya next week, and and then and then proceed. Until then, everybody have a have a great week. Stay safe. Hope to see you and uh, feel good.